Hello, welcome to the Family Bookshelf. My name is Amber from AmbitionsForChrist.com and with me this evening is my husband Nick, the game schooling dad. All right, today I'm kind of going to try to do us some, I guess, thinking books. <laughs> These are some nonfiction books that have just made me really think and made me ask questions as I've read them and just had some good impact over my life over the years to help me reevaluate things and Opened how up some good discussion for us right a lot of discussion points and it's just one of those things that just makes you stop and go hmm just because it's always been done that way or that's how i've done it my whole mm -hmm. life does that really how and, it and they're to great be? for for reference material if you ever need like a reference for a paper or yeah. to reference <laughs> something on facebook or sound really smart you know, <laughs> these are the kind of books that you would pick up and look at yeah because they're very educational, I guess, in a sense of, you know, don't let that scare you off. It's not that bad. They're not textbooks. They're it's not textbooks. Of, yeah. They're smart books written by very smart men. They're, yeah. They're very smart men. <laughs> Way <laughs> smarter than me. So, um, but I'm, all right. So I'm going to start off with one called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. Um, this book shook me up because it sounds crazy. I guess you don't realize how much media affects us and what's crazy is this book i will say this book was written predates you know facebook and social media that's how old this book is already <laughs> and yet how true it is is just amazing and what's interesting nick even reminded me this part he actually goes back he traces all the way back to the tele the telegraph mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we all think that the inter we all think the internet or the TV is kind of where this started. Right. This whole idea of us getting so comfortable or so amused that we've lost focus on the world around us. Right. Uh, and he actually takes it back to the telegraph. And I remember the part that he talks about that came up. Um, the telegraph is the first point where you could get news that wasn't in your immediate area. For all of human history, you could only know what was happening maybe in your city, maybe in your street, maybe in your block, maybe only in your house. And then all of a sudden, within a 100-year span, you <laughs> know everything about everywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you don't realize how much that overwhelms you. And the, the point I remember him actually making was, you know, how much you get like this mental whiplash, I think is kind of the term he used. I don't remember exact terms. It's been a while since I actually got to sit and read the whole book. Um, shocker. Anyway, but um, he talks about this mental whiplash that we give ourselves of, you know, it, he was talking about it in the form of like TV commercials of you get one commercial for like, you know, there's starving kids in Africa and that pulls on your emotions that your mind is having to deal with that and process that information and try to react to it. You know, the way God designed your mind to react to a sad situation you know, almost of, you know, I need to do something or I should be helping and compassionate. And then all of a sudden, the next ad is for, you know, buy your Happy Meal at McDonald's type thing. And so then your mind's all of a sudden like, oh, that's fun. I should go do that. And, you know, it's it's crazy because he's addressing this in forms of like commercials. And it's like that. I mean, now just look at your newsfeed for like two minutes on Facebook and you've already seen like 15 different things that are totally different emotions and, you know, he talked about how much that affects us mentally over a long period of time and how our brains get, I guess, overwhelmed by it. And as we started discussing this book and what we were going to do on this episode, we talked a lot about 1984. Uh, I'm sorry, we talked about the other one, Brave, Brave New, New World. World. <laughs> Brave New World, which you, if another book, if you haven't read, oh, yeah. definitely worth your time. We'll, we'll probably have to on. talk about that one more yeah, later. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that more, that one. But this book is basically explaining how in the real world, 
Brave New World is happening. Right. We are being amused to death. (laughs) (laughs) In the title, right? It is. But the idea is you work as an adult. We want you to go to society. Yes. You to go to work, do your job to the highest level of ability, and be that cog in the machine. But as soon as you clock out, you are now a child who is all your hopes and dreams and and needs are met instantly without question. Mm -hmm. And so you don't think anymore. You turn off your brain when you clock out. Right. Because it's safer. It's easier for someone to take over in a sense of, you know, if there's someone that can't process and think through and question anything. That's how people stay in power. That's how you stay in power. Yeah. Yeah. So So this is just, it's one of those books that it, it sounds crazy because technology has changed so much since it was written, but it's a timeless book of just there's so much truth to it where he addresses all of this content that we're taking in and amusing ourselves to death with. So I would highly recommend that you check out Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. All right, moving on to my next one. It's called Weapons of Mass Instruction. This is by a gentleman named John Taylor Gatto. This is probably the book I recommend you start with from John Taylor Gatto. He's got some great works out there, but man, some of them are hard to get through. Took me over a month for one of his others, but this one is a great starter. Who, who was John Taylor Gatto? Yeah, let me start there. Yeah, John Taylor Gatto has a really interesting story. He was a public school teacher in New York City for over 30 years in some of like the best schools for some of the time and some of the worst schools for some of the time. Interestingly enough, he also won the Teacher of the Year Award. I believe it was in like 1990 in New York City for the whole state of New York. He was getting award after award. They just, people just couldn't get enough of him. They they loved John Taylor Gatto. He was a great educator, but no one could figure out why he was such a good educator. And then he actually finally made news like the year after he won his Teacher of the Year Award, he quit. And it was via an editorial, I think, in like the New York Times. Times, This was a big deal. It made national news. He shook things up when he quit. And he's been speakers at like homeschool conventions. I think I actually got to hear him one time, but I was too young to care at that point. he's passed away now. Yeah, he passed away a few years ago, unfortunately. But he goes through in this book, um, Weapons of Mass Instruction, and he talks, he goes into the dangers of compulsory education from the government, you know, of how the when the government came in and made education something that absolutely had to happen. You will go to school. You will go to school for this amount of time. You will go to school for this amount of grades. You will do all these things. And he um, bring, starts just opening up this whole world that you have no idea in the educational system, like how bad it is. And the amazing part is, I mean, he saw this in the 90s, in the yeah. 80s. He noticed how bad the educational system was, and it hasn't gotten better. No. Things have improved <laughs> since then. So he was not only on the ball, he was, I mean, prophetic about what he was writing about and what he was talking about, because you can now see it 20 years later. It's been magnified. Oh, yeah. And the things that he was picking on then it's like oh now it's a hundred times worse. <laughs> but you know he was seeing the minor things have now become big huge things they've snowballed 
Mm-hmm. So, and I've really enjoyed John Taylor Gatto as well. And he, yeah, his big one, if I remember right, is harping on compulsory education. Yeah. Of course, education is a good thing. He's an and, educator. He loves it. And state-run education isn't necessarily a bad thing. It becomes a bad thing when it becomes compulsory, and then it becomes the only option. Yep. <laughs> now it's bad. When you have, of course, just like anything else, competition is what you need. Right. But I think it was, and I'm going to probably get too technical here, <laughs> in the 1850s, they mandated compulsory education and the whole idea was to turn i think catholic students to be more protestant right at the time and they have records to show i'm going to interrupt you I'm gonna keep you're fine because i want to talk about this this, this is, is a big one for me and i was a teacher and i actually love john taylor Gatto. he's probably one of the reasons i ended up leaving the education system i just couldn't go back because of what he had written but they have the statistics of up until 1850, they can record almost 100% literacy rate in this country. Mm-hmm. Everyone could read, and they knew it. And then all of a sudden, compulsory education hit, and within 10 years, the numbers had tanked yes. to only about 50%. It's, it's tanking more and more every and it's, year. It's down even less yeah. now. It's amazing. Well, now, and what's considered literate has also tanked. Yes. If you because... read those books from back in that time— what those kids were doing in school. Oh, my. I mean, I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Well, I always, it's very interesting. I think they always talk the Federalist Papers, um, which is something that I almost struggled to read with. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a hard read. It was actually written for the common man back in that yeah. day because this was, they simplified it. Sure. The Constitution, was, the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> they used to take those on tours to let the common man read them because right. they could understand They them. could understand And all of a sudden, our kids in school can't read these things. Right. And it's one of those things where you look back and you're, it's just amazing to me that it's, you know, the standards have just dropped so much. And I think he just brings this out and highlights it so well. And, oh, it's Again, just. He, he puts into words what, you, what you're seeing, but you don't, you don't know how to explain it. You, yes. you don't know how to say what this is that's going on. <laughs> he saw it and he was smart enough to realize, again, 30 years ago, oh, this yeah. is the problem and this is what's going to happen. And he was right about every oh, single point. Oh, my goodness. Point. It's and freaky. If you, again, if you ever have to write a paper about education and you're not referencing John Taylor Gatto, <laughs> you know, you've kind of missed one of your biggest sources. Yeah. He's, it's just a phenomenal what he's written. Yeah. Well, and I think especially this is one of those ones that made me realize why homeschooling is so important as a freedom something that you know the the freedom to choose to homeschool to walk away from this compulsory system and say there's something different out there that can challenge this and he talks about it a little bit in some of his books and it's amazing to me because i guess you kind of take it for granted sometimes because by the time i was born i mean it was legal in all 50 states homeschooling was and at certain times, I mean, even when he was teaching, it wasn't legal. Sure. Yeah. And so there was people like on the sly sneaking their kids out of his classroom to like go homeschool him for the day. And he'd like <laughs> let him. It's free. It's crazy. Some of the stories this guy has. It's awesome. He is. He was just a classic educator that. Yeah. So, OK, I digress. Anyway, Weapons of Mass Instruction by John Taylor Gatto. If you are at all interested about education systems and what goes on in them, this is the book for you. <laughs> All right, and we kind of saved my favorite for last. It's Love Your God With All Your Mind by J.P. Moreland. I don't know about anyone else. I grew up in a great Christian home. We loved God, and I went to a church with amazing God-fearing people. I, I want to say that out yeah, loud and clear. You know, they loved God. But it was loving God with your heart and your soul. It was... I guess what I was saying is, I mean, it was a very feelings based almost of 
there was we followed part of the command but we never really got to the mind part of it love the lord your god with all your mind and i actually picked this book up it was um a week after i graduated high school i got to go to summit ministries in manitou springs and this was um jp moreland the man that wrote this book was one of the speakers there and i enjoyed hearing some of his speeches he was just a he was like the gentle old grandpa he was fun to listen to and so we I went to the bookstore and this book was there and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll try it. And I took it home and it was the first book I read after I got back from Summit. And this was one of those books that really just opened my eyes of, wow, I had no idea Christians could be so deep and thoughtful and know why you believe what you believe and ask questions and think through your faith and think about your faith with logic and reason I guess that's one of those things where, especially in Sunday school class, you never hear, you know, well, let's think logically about this for a minute when you're talking about Noah's Ark or, you know, something like that. It's as, just... as someone who didn't grow up in the church and as someone who, you know, saw this from the other side, when you're discussing these things with Christians, it becomes very easy to take down these feelings-based things. It is. Um, if all you can come at me with is a blind faith, then it's going to be pretty easy to ignore you, if nothing else. I may not be able to necessarily argue with feelings, but honestly, you can't argue your feelings any more than I can argue my feelings. So what are we talking about here? Yeah. We're spinning our wheels, right? If you don't have any kind of logic, and Christianity is based on logic. If you go down the feelings route, you are going to lose that battle with Christianity. Christ says we're called to suffer. Christ says we are called to, you know, suffer in this world and that it's not going to be easy for us. Right. Well, and I mean, the fact that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we tend to forget that he's truth. And that means that he is the basis of all truth. And logic is a form of that truth that you have to work through and think through and figure out. And it's one of those things where I think as Christians, sometimes if we, we almost feel bad if we have a wrestling or a hard question, you know, like, what do you do with the problem of pain? I mean, mm-hmm. what do you do with, like you said, suffering? How do you deal with even these... Even creation, you know? Creation. Oh, Darwin is so correct in evolution. How do you match that up? Like, wait a minute. Let's look at this logically. Here, yeah, there step are back. answers to this if you're willing to go find them. Right. Well, in a lot of, I mean, there's so much, we've talked before about the archaeological side of things. You and I have had these conversations of, you know, how much archaeology has backed up the Bible in the past hundred years just through the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls, through, I mean, even so much as silly little things, but, like, they found out that the Hittites were a real people. Hittites is a famous one. Pontius Pilate, they found his name on coins to know that he was a real person. They found, like, the grave box of um caiaphas the high priest sure. that they, they found the evidence of an assyrian king that has only been mentioned in the bible and they thought for years this isn't a real person they found evidence that right. every time they continue to look that stuff is there right. and so i think that's one of these things as you read through this book you get to realize that there is a lot of mental work that you can do as a christian and it's amazing it's it kind of it it really helped me to step back and say okay it's awesome that I, you know, grew up in this church where I do get to love the Lord with all my heart because you do want to love the Lord with all your heart. You know, this should not be a, um, I guess it's hard because you have Christians that go either way (laughs) of you have Christians that are Christians because all the reasons, but you really don't want to be around them because they don't have any of the heart. And then you have Christians that are all the heart, but none of the reason, and they can't defend themselves. And unfortunately they're really vulnerable to false teaching and to just I guess, emotions in general of, you know, oh, all of a sudden I don't feel like a Christian, therefore I'm just not a Christian, I guess. 
And so this was one of those books that really helped me kind of see the ba- that there could be a balance there between loving the Lord your God with all your heart and then loving the Lord your God with all your mind. So I would highly recommend the um, Love Your God with All Your Mind by J.P. Moreland. This is just one of those books that as a Christian, I think will really open your eyes to see a whole new side of your Christian faith and a whole new way to live out your Christian faith in a positive way, especially in today's world where I, I love the Bible verse, you know, be wise as serpents and I think gentle as doves. <laughs> Probably not quoting it quite right off the top of my head here. But I think this is one of those books that really helps you do that command of you have to think and be wise and be smart as you go out into the culture. The culture is crazy right now. I like study to show thyself approved. Yes. You know, if you haven't studied the word, is I think is the, the more perfect context of what mm-hmm. he's talking about. But in general, I mean, I think, and I come back to creation. Creation was a big sticking point for me when I yeah. first became a Christian. And when we finally started doing some research and looking into this, of course, we went to the Creation Museum. It became, yeah. oh, wow, not only does this make sense, this makes more sense <laughs> yeah. than the other side of things. Right. Uh, I like the fact that he even talks about it in there. I still remember the quote he has where he mm-hmm. said, yeah, I'm a young creationist like four days of the week and an old earth creationist three days or something. It was kind of funny. He I does. Mean, yeah, he's willing to yeah accept that he flip-flops a little right. bit. Right. Well, and I think, I mean, you have to accept as a Christian there is tension. There's questions because we're human. We don't understand all this stuff. God's ways are higher than ours. We can't. And we can't add to the gospel. The gospel is not, you know, believe in Jesus and believe in a new earth. No, no, no. That's not what the gospel says. Yep. So you have to accept some grace there. Yeah. So this (laughs) book just dealt with that super well. And I think pretty much if if you're a Christian, just... You should read this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it a shot. I really enjoyed this one as well. It was one of the first books I read yeah. when I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. I remember reading this our first year of marriage when I just yeah. became a Christian. It's like, oh, wow, there is reason behind this. Yeah. This is, you know, beautiful. It's just wonderful to learn more about the Lord. Yeah, awesome. All right, so, yeah, final one to check out is Love Your God With All Your Mind by J.P. Moreland. All right, this has been the Family Bookshelf. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to find us on Facebook, and you can always find Nick, the Game Schooling Dad, on Instagram. And my name is Amber from AmbitionsForChrist.com. Be sure to check us out and find us on the Internet. Thanks for listening.